calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to The Signal. Episode 6, Duck and Cover. anything you've ever seen. You know how bad sunburn can feel. The atomic bomb flash could burn you worse than a terrible sunburn. If you were not ready and did not know what to do, it could hurt you in different ways. It could knock you down hard or throw you against a tree or a wall. It is such a big explosion, it can smash in buildings and knock signboards over and break windows all over town. But if you duck and cover, you will be much safer. First, you duck, and then you cover. And very tightly, you cover the back of your neck and your face. Duck and cover underneath a table or desk or anything else close by. There are two kinds of attack, with warning and without any warning. We think that most of the time we will be warned before the bomb explodes. You may be in your schoolyard playing when the signal comes. signal means to stop whatever you are doing and get to the nearest safe place fast. Always remember, a flash of an atomic bomb can come at any time. If there is a warning, you will hear it before the bomb explodes. But sometimes, and this is very, very important, sometimes the bomb might explode without any warning. Then the first thing we would know about it would be the flash. And that means duck and cover fast, wherever you are. There's no time to look around or wait. Be like Bert. When there is a flash, duck and cover and do it fast. 
We interrupt this Office of Civil Defense broadcast to tune into President John F. Kennedy, who is, at this moment, addressing the United Nations. Today, every inhabitant of this planet must contemplate the day when this planet may no longer be habitable. Every man, woman, and child lives under a nuclear sword of Damocles, hanging by the slenderest of threads, capable of being cut at any moment by accident or miscalculation or by madness. The weapons of war must be abolished before they abolish us. Men no longer debate whether armaments are a symptom or a cause of tension. The mere existence of modern weapons 10 million times more powerful than any that the world has ever seen. And only minutes away from any target on Earth is a source of horror and discord and distrust. Good evening again, Dayton. This is Evan Bell coming to you from our studio at WKOR. Today on UFOs Tonight, we're diving back in history to where extraterrestrials were first spotted flying their spacecraft across the night skies. But first, we have some sad and disturbing news to report. Professor Gregory Van Yushin, a retired lecturer at Ohio State University and a former guest and friend of this broadcast, was found dead in the burned-out shell of his house in North Dayton yesterday. Authorities surmise that he fell asleep while smoking in his easy chair and was overcome by smoke. The professor, a widower, was 84 years old and leaves no survivors. His death has been ruled accidental. Yeah, okay, right, sure. You buy this accidental death-finding, listeners? I sure as hell don't. I have it on good authority that Professor Van Yushin once consulted on Project Blue Book, the government's secret investigation into UFO phenomena, before he was silenced by exile in the form of house arrest, or at least that's what many believe. And now he's dead, and dead under what can only be considered very suspicious circumstances. Why? Could it be because the good professor was purportedly writing a tell-all book about his experiences with UFOs? Could it be that Professor Van Yushin was about to reveal all he knew about debris collected from alien spacecraft crash sites in New Mexico? Could it be- Sir, I was listening to that. Turn off the road up there, on the right. There's nothing down there, not even a farmhouse. Keep going until I tell you to stop. Look, Mr. Swan... Stop. Keep the engine running and leave the headlights on. Now what? You can get out now. Sir, there's a girl in the trunk. Out you come. <clears throat> We're miles away from the hospital. I am not a girl. She's a young woman, not a girl. She's got a boy in there with her. Will you please quit stating the obvious, Phillips? How's your brother? Still groggy, but his breathing is regular. 
Thank you for inquiring after Timmy, sir. I demand to know what's going on. You demand. I have a right to know. You have no rights whatsoever under these circumstances, Phillips. You're my subordinate. As a former military man, the concept of chain of command is not foreign to you. Go and sit behind the wheel of the car. I want to speak to this young woman alone. Go. Cigarette? These are a rare brand in these parts. Bella Morcanals. No, thank you. I don't smoke. Wise decision. Do you mind if I smoke? Go ahead. It's a free country. So what happens now? I mean, I appreciate your help, Mr. Swan, sir. I sincerely do. But I had to abandon my uncle's truck in the hospital parking lot, and pretty much everything I had with me when I left from the farm was inside. Except your pistol. May I have that back, please? No. If you point a gun at someone else and hesitate to pull the trigger, whatever happens next is on you. My uncle relies on that pistol for ridding the vegetable garden of moles. Moles? I have your gun as a trade. See? Here it is. You want it back? Then hand over my uncle's varmint pistol. That's a Walther P-38. German-made. Did you fight the Nazis during the war? I worked in the intelligence services during the last conflict. And the one before that, and the one before that, all the way back to the beginning of time. Or so it seems. Intelligence services? Hmm, that sounds important. Any title with the word intelligence has that effect. Phillips saw combat firsthand. He was one of the American soldiers who stormed the beaches at Normandy in July of 1944. Way I learned it, the Allied invasion was the turning point of the war. It was. He must have been just a boy. Most of them were. He's a war hero then. He survived. Now he's my driver. Seeing as I can't very well go back for my uncle's truck Security and Security will have located it by now. First thing they would have done in the aftermath of a security breach is to match the vehicle to those inside the building. And since your brother's missing from the ward, they'll be looking for him. And looking for me in particular. I managed to finagle my way into a job in the laundry last week. They have my ID photograph on file. Clever. Your amateur foray into undercover target infiltration. Almost worthy of a budding mole. But you're right. Now they'll be looking for you too. So, I would very much appreciate a ride to the next town over, sir. For Timmy and me, just drop us off at the nearest filling station. Then the two of us will be on our way and won't be fixing to trouble you no more. Trouble is an understatement. I basically aided and abetted a kidnapper. I didn't kidnap Timmy. I'm his blood relative. Are you his legal guardian? I'm his sister. I'll take that as a no, then. What do you want from me, Mr. Swan? I stand before you destitute and with a young child in my care. I have no money to pay you. All I have to give you is my heartfelt thanks and my everlasting promise that you'll be mentioning my prayers each night. There's always a price, Becky. Yes, I suppose there is. How could I possibly have expected there wouldn't be? I'm a virgin, Mr. Swan. It has been my most sincere intention since I was a very young girl to remain chaste and pure until my wedding night. Quaint. Do you have many suitors back home? But I'm willing to sacrifice my virginity if you would... How very measure for measure of you. Save your breath and button up your blouse. I don't want what you're offering. I want the boy. What? What are you...
are you doing? Unlock the trunk this minute. Or what? Or I will shoot you in the heart with your own pistol. Will you? There are threats and then there's follow through and too often the twain never meets. Timmy! Timmy, honey, can you hear me? Drive, Phillips. What? The young lady is outside of the car. Drive. She's pointing a gun at your head, sir. I can see that. Take your foot off the brake, turn the car around, and press down on the gas pedal. Turn off the engine and unlock the trunk, or I swear on my daddy's grave I will shoot you dead. Phillips. Sir, but isn't it her brother who's in the trunk? On the count of three, I will fire. One, two... Drive. Now! Three! That girl, I mean that young woman, she just tried to kill you. I removed the firing pin spring. Take your gun out and shoot her. Sir? Rosemary informed me you should be the one to shoot people if need be. I will not shoot that young woman, sir. She's an American, just like you and me. If you won't put a bullet in her head, then drive or get out of the car. I would never raise a hand to a woman. I'm not asking you to beat her senseless, Phillips. I'm telling you to shoot her. You saw what happened. She tried to kill me. You said you removed the firing pin spring. But she didn't know that. Out. Now. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like. Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. Miss, ow! Well, could you let him do that? Just drive off and leave us here in the middle of nowhere? What was I supposed to do, miss? Something. You should have done something. He's taken my brother. I'm sure your brother will be fine. Come again? Is that what you think? A grown adult man has just run off with a ten-year-old child. His exact words to me were, I want the boy. You really think I shouldn't worry? You can't believe that... Oh, no. No, 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 no. Mr. Swan is a father himself. He has a daughter. There is no way he would ever do- You know, for a war hero, Mr. Phillips, you are pitifully naive. I'm no hero, miss. But I think I know Mr. Swan well enough to know he would never harm a kid. Okay, he tests people sometimes. I'll give you that. But adults, not children. To see how far he can push them. To see what they will do when cornered or at their wit's end. I think he likes to measure a person's mettle when they are at their most vulnerable, to see what secrets they'll unintentionally reveal. Ugh, that makes him a sadist. No, miss. I don't think so. It just makes him skilled at what he does. And what does he do? He protects us, miss. All of us. At least, I think that's what he's trying to do. Protects us from what? Threats. What kind of threats? The worst kind. And it's Bobby. Well, Robert, but everyone I know calls me Bobby, Miss... Becky. Just call me Becky. 
We're not going to catch up to the car on foot. Well, we have to try. Where's he going, Bobby? Please tell me. I don't know, miss. I mean, Becky. Well, you're his driver. You should know. Mr. Swan keeps his cards close to the vest. Well, then where are you staying? We checked out this morning. Well, where were you headed? I don't know yet. Oh, where did you come from? You must at least know that much. Washington, D.C. Oh. But I don't think any of that matters. Why? See? Look, up ahead. Pulled to the side of the road. See it? I think that's Mr. Swan's car. Timmy! We're back, listeners. For this next hour, I'd like to welcome Norman Thorne, the noted UFO historian from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and author of Anasazis, The Vanishing of an Extraterrestrial Tribe. Welcome, Norman. My pleasure. So let's get right to it. UFOs, a modern phenomenon? Oh, not at all. The earliest UFO sightings in recorded history are found in 4th century China. Recorded history? Since written records were kept. So there may have been UFO sightings and alien encounters well before recorded history. Of course! Human beings existed before recorded history. There's no reason why aliens would not have existed as well. <laughs> Fourth century China. Go on. Chinese texts claim a moon boat hovered above China every 12 years. <laughs> I take it there's no photographic evidence of this moon boat. No. Only accounts written down as eyewitness statements. Then we find in the book of Ezekiel. You mean in the Bible? Yes, in the Old Testament. In it, there's a report of a vessel being dropped out of the sky and landing in Chaldea. Chaldea? Modern-day Kuwait. Waves of UFO sightings have occurred periodically throughout history. For example, one such sighting occurred near Rome in 218 B.C., which is notable historically as it was the beginning of the Second Punic War, which in turn was part of a series of wars between the Roman Republic and the Carthaginians led by Hannibal. Let's not sink into the mire of irrelevant tangential details, Norman. Oh, uh, certainly. Yeah. Then there was another wave of UFO sightings in Germany in 1561. You mean the 1561 celestial phenomenon over Nuremberg? Of course. Now, we may not have photographs of that either, <laughs> but we do have a woodcut engraving of the event and a rather detailed written account in a broadsheet, which is a printed sheet corresponding somewhat to our newspapers of today. So the event made the papers. The Nuremberg celestial phenomenon is widely believed to be an extraterrestrial aerial battle. Or a meteorological example of a sundog. By sundog, I assume you mean a naturally occurring atmospheric optical phenomenon. Well, that's just plain bullpucky, Norman. Not one of our savvy listeners believes that, and no one believed it back then either. In fact, I have a transcript of an eyewitness account right here. According to Hans Glaser of Nuremberg, in the sky there were what he described as blood-red semicircular arcs, globes, crosses, and rods. Sounds like variations of alien spacecraft to me. And Air Glaser went on to vividly describe what he saw as follows. 
These all started to fight among themselves and fought vehemently with each other for over an hour until they became fatigued and fell from the sun down upon the earth as if they all burned, and then they wasted away on the earth with immense smoke. Now that sounds like a pretty typical example of what our pilots have been experiencing in the skies since the Gorman UFO dogfight over Fargo, North Dakota in 1948. I agree with you, Evan. I'm not a skeptic here. I'm a true believer. The U.S. Air Force tried to say the Gorman UFO was a lighted weather balloon. They always say that. Weather balloons are their go-to explanations. What, do they think we're all stupid? There weren't any weather balloons flying over Nuremberg, Germany in 1561. He left the keys in the ignition, Becky. Is your brother okay? He's fine. He's asleep. The drugs he's been given will take some time to wear off completely. Mr. Swan did open the trunk to let in the fresh evening air. I told you so. Where'd he go? I don't see him anywhere. At this time of night, it's his habit to seek high ground. Why? He and his daughter have a pact. They each look up at the stars and pretend they're standing side by side, gazing at the sky together. I think it's his way of feeling close to her. I see him. Where? Up there. On that hill. I see him. I'm gonna speak with him. Uh, Okay, but please, please don't try to shoot him again. Now how can I shoot him without a firing pin spring? Here. You hold the gun if it's such a bee in your bonnet. It's too heavy to tote around anyway if it doesn't fire. Now, you stand right here, Bobby, and watch over Timmy, and don't you dare move. Not an inch. I'm trusting you. Yes, ma'am. Miss, uh, Becky. I'll stand right here, and I'll keep a close eye on him. I promise. You have my word. Then I have the word of a war hero. That better be worth something, or I might stop believing in what I should accept on faith. Yes, ma'am. I won't move. Bayu, bayu skimbayu, nilas resia na kraju, pridiot siriki bauchok, hiu fuatet zabachok. Hiu taishit valasok, patra hitumi kustok. That's not English, Mr. Swan. No, I like the way it sounds in Russian. It reverberates with night. It evokes a place deep in the woods in the dead of winter, under a full moon, with fresh fallen snow on the ground, skeletal trees. Frost in the air. Dread in your heart. What does it mean? What are you saying? It's a lullaby I used to sing my daughter when she was small. Your daughter understands Russian? She speaks many languages. And your wife? I'm sorry, you weren't wearing a ring, so I assume... (laughs) She's multilingual as well. You should sing it then. Sing it to the stars. If it's meant to be a lullaby, it should be sung like one. 
Bayou, Bayou, Ski Bayou. Oh, my goodness. I know that. My grandmother used to sing it to me, but in English, it's called the Gray Wolf. Sleep, my darling, tiny one. Start again. Sleep, my darling, tiny one. Tucked within your bed so tight. Elfie, gray wolf will come. He'll snatch you up between his teeth. And drag you to the forest deep. Beneath the What do you want with my brother, Mr. Swan? I want to use him as sort of a human Geiger counter. To find radiation? No. If you're honest with me, I might help you. To find the source of a signal, and possibly to unmask aliens. Aliens? You mean... UFO aliens? That's the idea. Oh. I see. Do you? No, not really. But I had to drop out of school in the 10th grade after my daddy died, so I haven't had the kind of book learning you've so clearly had, sir. Speaking foreign languages and all. But that don't make me ignorant in the ways of the world. There'll be a price to pay if you want our help. There always is, young woman. And I'll pay it. If I don't, the rest of the world will be forced to. Every man, every woman, every child. And we don't want that. Nobody does. I'm not sure I understand you, sir. And I for sure do not trust you any farther than I could throw you. And that would be about a foot on a good day. I wouldn't expect you to. Shall we go? The Signal is created by Cassandra Wells and Charlie Randazzo. Written by Cassandra Wells. Produced by Fred Greenhalge and Marco Palmieri. Directed by Charlie Randazzo. Executive produced by Cassandra Wells, Daniel Kamen, Molly Barton, and Julian Yap. Performed by Daniel Kamen, Perry King, Marta Cross, Adam J. Smith, Tracy Winters, Time Winters, Harry Gawillam, Tom Beyer, Jeff Blumberg, Mark Irvingson, Jackson Gawillam, and Jennifer Taub. Sound design and editing by Charlie Randazzo. Music by Quiet on the Set. Additional cover art by Heather Mason. Production manager, Devin Shepard. Production coordinator, Angela Yee. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.